Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on In Flight Snack, the rumor mill is swirling as it does in this week prior to the NFL season. Which superstar players could the Jets potentially be targeting at the trade deadline this year? Find out next. Also, I recapped episode four of Hard Knocks. It included my favorite scene from Hard Knocks so far in this season of Hard Knocks. I'll tell you what it is. And I'll give you some fancy tips. If you're drafting today, if you still didn't draft right off the top, we're going to give you some help with your fantasy team. Fantasy football season is here. It's upon us. I'm ready for it. I'm going to tell you which Jets you should be drafting and which you should be staying away from. All that and a whole lot more coming up next on the Rami Levy podcast. It starts right now. up the sea fires caught touchdown Garrett Wilson scores Rodgers does this better than anybody end zone Cobb touchdown unbelievable Rodgers going end zone Lazard he's got it for the touchdown Looking downfield, he needs a bomb for Davis. Sauce Gardner's there, and it's knocked away. Sauce Gardner in position on Gabe Davis, knocks it away, and the Jets are going to take a knee and win it. Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Welcome back to In Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rami Lavi. That's it. We've made it. We're here. None of the hype, none of the preseason, hard knocks, all that stuff is behind us. Week one of the NFL season is only three days away. Thursday night football between the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, MVP Patrick Mahomes. Number one offense in the league. Yes, they were the number one offense in the league. People forget that without Tyreek Hill last year. And then they're going up against the new sweethearts of the league, right? Team that everyone's obsessed with, the fun young team. The Detroit Lions, again, they started one and six. Everyone fell in love with them during Hard Knocks last year and their head coach, Dan Campbell, Amon Ross St. Brown, a bunch of stories there that everyone loves. And then they struggle out of the gate, but they end their season on a high essentially sending off Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. Thank you, Lions. (laughs) Sending him to the Jets with a loss, beating him in the last game of the season in Lambeau Field. So everyone loves the Lions. And you got the defending champs. I'll put all my money on the champs. I bet Mahomes throws at least two touchdowns to Travis Kelsey. So one of my fantasy leagues, actually, because we'll talk about fantasy in a minute here. I'm playing against Kelsey, and I have Mahomes. Score is going to be like 45 to 30. He's going to be up by the time week one's done. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Um, Another news, Labor Day today. It's been a hell of a Labor Day weekend so far for me. Sunday was a wild trip. As you can hear in my voice, I don't sound great. I'm kind of sick. If you know, I no longer work for Major League Baseball. So that's a whole other story. I'll talk about it on my other podcast. I don't want to talk about it here. Still work for WFAN, still work for the Yankees Radio Network, all that good stuff, SNY. Don't worry, I'm good. Um, but if you want to hear about that, you can listen to the Rami Lavi podcast at some point this week. We'll talk about it. But for the sake of this po- podcast, for the purposes of this podcast, Labor Day weekend was wild, and it ended in the most wild way. And if you follow me on social media, you saw that I was posting a bunch of pool pictures and hot tub pictures tonight. We had an incredible super soaker fight where... We were on, we were each individually on these giant tubes, these giant like floaty tubes in the pool with super soakers. And we were having a a water fight in the pool and it was fantastic until uh, I get home, I go into the shower before I do the podcast, I write the podcast, I watch Hard Knocks one more time because that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about episode four. 
And I got out of the shower, took my phone out of the charger. I was playing music off my phone in the shower. Who doesn't have a speaker? Obviously, I'm not an idiot. And my phone is not turning on. The screen's not turning on. And then when it does turn on, there's like this crazy staticky, whatever it is. It's um just tons of like flashing lights. Look like a disco, I said, on my screen. And I'm like, that can't be good because... I need my phone for a lot of different things. And one of them, I have my notes right here. If you're watching this, I have them on a pad and paper for now. But I text people. I have a lot going on in my life. And my phone is crucial. And this always happens to me. So I I broke my phone uh, a few months ago walking in the city. I was walking right outside WFN. I was about a block away. And I was holding like a camera um, stand that I use to record the podcast. I use it to do some of my, my, my social content at WFAN. And I'm holding this tripod. In one hand, and my phone just slips out and falls. Now, I have a case, and I didn't even notice because the screen didn't break. So I didn't notice till a while later that the whole back of the phone was cracked. And as time went on, it was getting worse and worse because it's like shattered into a million pieces and starting to crumble a little bit the back of the phone. And I guess water got into it tonight and it got waterlogged. Now, the thing about this is I'm eligible for an upgrade. I'm eligible. My family, I thank you to my parents who pay for my Verizon plan. God bless. Um... But I'm eligible for an upgrade, but this happens to me every single time. It's like the phone gods are laughing down. Like, Rami, no. Every time I need to get a new phone, it's like I'm, I don't buy new phones for leisure or pleasure. I get a new phone when I need a new phone, and that's every few years usually, right? But it always follows out that I need a new phone the first or second week of September. Why is that significant? I use an iPhone. The new iPhone comes out end of September or beginning of October. When the new iPhone comes out, the older versions, right, meaning the one that was new a week ago, dropped significantly in price. So you wait till that last week of September, you get a great, essentially a brand new phone, a phone that would have been a brand new phone last week. All of a sudden, immediately, it's $300, $400 discount on that phone cost because now the new phones are at one price point and the older phones, quote unquote, are at this lower price point. Get the picture? I, for some reason, break my phone consistently, every time I need a new phone. So every three years about, I break my phone beginning of September, end of August, and end up getting a new phone right before the new phones come out. So I end up paying more for the worst product. So again, this year, looked like that's going to happen. So I put it in rice. And this is the funniest thing, because everyone tells you if there's water in your phone, put it in rice. So I put the phone in rice. And I'm like, all right, this is going to help, right? But no, didn't help. Uh, Instead, this is wild. Um... A kernel of rice, I don't even know what you call it, one singular rice, rice, it's a, with a C, it was, I don't know. One of the rice got stuck into the charging port of the phone. And I try and stick my, uh, my charger back in because when, what happened was when I originally realized the phone was broke was when I took it out of the charger. So I thought maybe it was something in there that was wet. And so I was like, all right, let me see if it charges now. Maybe I could fix it a little bit. The phone wasn't working still. Still... If I turn my brightness all the way up, it worked. But the second I start to turn my brightness down, it didn't work. And then every time I touched my phone, like I turned off my screen, it would take a million years for it to turn back on. It's totally not working. So I put the I put the charger back in and I'm like, it's not going in. And I realized there's a piece of rice in there. This is when the problems really start. Because when you start taking out the like medical kit to fix the phone, that's when you know it's a problem. So I have like a nail filer and like a bunch of stuff in there and I'm trying to dig out this piece of so i figured at first i tried to dig it out but it's really stuck in there it was like the perfect size piece of rice that would stick right into the phone and it's not coming out so what i did was i realized the only choice is to just jab at it and break up the piece of rice turn it into powder and then try and tap it out of the phone so i'm trying to get it finally i got like most of it out and i'm able to stick the charger back in and before and the charger's still not really charging but before right before as i'm about to stick it back in i see the phone's works the phone works all of a sudden the screen is fixed no issues so right now, the phone is charging. We're hoping that by the time this podcast is done, it's going to be working. It is charging. So I did get the full piece of rice out in the end. I did have a little bit like kind of in the corner. And I'm jabbing and digging around in there. I'm like, I'm probably breaking my phone more by trying to get this piece of rice. I'm hoping, first of all, Memorial, Labor Day, sorry. Almost said Memorial Day. Labor Day. I doubt any Verizon is open tomorrow. So I don't know what's going to happen with getting a new phone. I don't know how that's going to work. So by the time you listen to this, it's today, Monday, Labor Day. So I doubt any Verizon's open today. So I'll have to see. Um, crazy, crazy stuff. I was supposed to record with a friend tonight um, for later this week. We're going to do a full, I'll tell you right now, we're going to go game by game, preview, win, loss, win, loss. Uh, my mic friend, that's an impression. 
I don't mind it. I think it's like, you know, it's stupid to do at this point in the season because we have no idea what these teams are going to be. But based on what, you know, we have to come up with some prediction of what's going to happen this season with the Jets. So that's the best way to do it, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but it looks like, sorry about that cough. Don't have a cough button on here. I kind of do. It's like a mute button, but it doesn't. Me too for a second, then you unmute it. But I see now my my microphone stand is super unstable. So, all right, there we go. Um, <laughs> this is great podcasting so far. I told so far I told a story about my iPhone and Labor Day, and I don't even know what happened to my voice. It's almost like I work hard. I work like seventy hour weeks between my two jobs, and then obviously doing my podcast stuff and other freelance work on the side. And I'm not trying to brag or trying, you don't pity me. Like, I love it. Trust me. But it was almost like, I find like when you get sick, it's very much in your head. I know people would disagree and people don't like that. I'm very into the mind body connection. Anyway, I always felt like I never allowed myself to get sick the last like two years because I was too busy working. I I couldn't afford to get sick. I needed to be on my grind. So now that like, I kind of have some time off for the first time in a really long time because of MLB. Now I feel like I allowed myself to get sick. And the second I like realized, okay, I'm going to have a few days off in a row here, obviously still working the podcast and stuff, um, which is work, but less work. I was like, oh my God, okay. Now my body like almost told itself, okay, now you can get sick for a couple of days. Here's your window. And I immediately got sick. So um, all good. Like I said, still Labor Day was fun. Hope everyone's having a good time. Um, and what Labor Day also means, and I started talking about this, now that we're 10 minutes in, I can continue, is that it's football season, Thursday. And a lot of people are having their fantasy drafts this week. People wait as late as possible. I know now we have a week. It's not four weeks of preseason. And then the regular season, we have a week between. So one of my leagues drafted already on uh, last weekend. And now my other league is drafting today, Monday, on Labor Day. So I feel like that's a lot of people are going to be drafting today. So hopefully you can listen to this before your draft because I'm going to give you right off the top. I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Uh, I'm going to give you right off the top my where I see some Jets players that could be valuable um, for this year in fantasy. Uh, it depends what t- type of league you're playing in, obviously. Uh, there's so many different factors and different variables when it comes to fantasy football. But if you're playing standard, half PPR, PPR, uh, I'll, I'll get into it. So the number one jet in fantasy football this year, I think it's pretty obvious, is going to be Garrett Wilson. You already see the connection with Aaron Rodgers. As far as wide receivers, I, I didn't rank him overall because it depends what kind of league you are. If you're in a league that values running backs more, then obviously he's going to fall a little different. If you're in a league like me, which has a super flex, makes quarterbacks super valuable, um, he's going to fall a little different. So I just gave you what I rank him amongst wide receivers. I have him as the number eight wide receiver going into this year. And maybe to some people, when I first saw that, I was like, eight sounds a little bit low. But here are the list of wide receivers in fantasy this year. Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to be one. Jamar Chase is going to be two. And then some combination of Amon Ross, St. Brown, three, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Adams. So you count that. That's seven guys ahead of Garrett Wilson. And all those guys are superstars, studs in this league, guys who have been proven, done it for a long time. Amon Ross St. Brown, probably the most underrated of them so far. But if you look statistically, he is actually the second, uh, since he made his debut in the league, since he had, sorry, since he had his breakout game, which was week 10, I think two years ago, he is the number two fantasy receiver behind only uh, Devontae Adams. So he's been extremely good. So that's Amon Ross St. Brown. Obviously, A.J. Brown is going to be still the number one target for Jalen Hurts. is going to have a monster year. Diggs, we know. I keep saying I think Buffalo is going to take a little step back, and we'll talk about that later this year, this this week when we do the AFC East preview. Um, Tyreek Hill is going to be fantastic. doesn't matter who's throwing the ball to him. He's putting up numbers. Justin Jefferson, even if he loses some of his touches, some of his targets to Addison, who I think is going to be great, still he's going to be the number one fantasy wide receiver probably this year. And Jamar Chase will also be one of the best receivers in the league. So that leaves Garrett Wilson at number eight for a couple of reasons why I wouldn't put him ahead. First of all, we don't have the track record. I mean, he was incredible last year considering the quarterbacks he had, Mike White, Chris Strebler, Zach Wilson, and Joe Flacco. Those were his four quarterbacks last year. All things considered, he was one of the best fantasy re- receivers in the league, uh, even with that. So yes, I if you want to argue that Garrett Wilson's going to be really good this year and even better than eight, certainly the case can be made. 
I also don't think the Jets are going to be a super pass-heavy offense, but I do think whenever they need a big play, whenever they need to pick up a third down, Aaron Rodgers is going to be looking for number 17. Another guy he's going to be looking for, if you're in a deeper league, three wide receivers, couple of flex, deep bench, don't overlook Alan Lazard. A lot of people were obsessed with Alan Lazard. He was going third, fourth round last year because he was supposedly the number one receiver now in the Packers with no Devontae Adams there. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to have a bad year. So what happened? Rodgers did have a bad year. And Lazard isn't number one receiver material. So he was getting all this attention from the defense and other guys kind of took turns shining, I guess, at time when the offense played well. I guess you had Christian Watson, <coughs> excuse me again, and Romeo Dobbs. Um, so you had that combination. So that kind of left out Alan Lazard. He was more respected, I guess, but he still has that special connection with Rodgers. I'd say this year is a better opportunity for him because there's Cobb there. There's Nicole Hardman. There's the running backs to worry about. There is Garrett Wilson as the number one receiver who's going to be taking up a lot of attention. But still, Rodgers has a good connection and good relationship with Alan Lazard. I do think he will be valuable for maybe maybe a wide receiver three if you have that maybe a deeper flex league or if you have only if your flex only allows you wide receivers and running backs and you have two of them maybe Alan Lazard fits there but if you're looking towards the end of the draft he's going to be available towards the end of the draft and you could get him probably in the later rounds I'd say I don't know eight ten to thirteen round something like that if you're in a fifteen round draft which is pretty much average so you could probably get him between ten and thirteen. I think that's good value uh, for Alan Lazard. Now, the most confusing position for the Jets to consider in fantasy this year, I think, is running back. Because, and I look where I trust the most. I, I saw uh, there's a website that I trust when it comes to fantasy, um, and it's called Fantasy Pros, pretty common website. And what I saw there was they had Brees Hall at 19 and they had Dalvin Cook at 30 as far as running backs. But here's what I'll tell you. If you were relying heavy on Brees Hall coming into the season, I wouldn't. Because everyone knows what a first-year running back looks like off the ACL. So even if there was no Dalvin Cook, right? Let's say it was just Brees and Michael Carter, and maybe they still would have had Bam Knight, but Izzy Adabon and Kanda, some combination of that. Still, Brees wouldn't be getting more than 10 to... 12 touches a game, probably max 17. The thing that was so special about Brees Hall last year was he didn't need a ton of touches in order to be effective. He was something like 17 touches a game. And what was so special about him was his home run capability. He'd break off one or two big runs a game. Now, I watched last year something interesting in Baltimore was J.K. Dobbins coming off the running off the ACL in year one. He still looked like the same guy, but then he couldn't hold it for as long. He would slow up. So he'd break a run, and all of a sudden, he, he couldn't finish. He'd have the end of the run. All of a sudden, he'd have to slow down a little bit and get tackled. So with Brees Hall, what I would say is I wasn't expecting him to be something crazy either. He still has that home run capability, and therefore, some weeks, he's going to be the number one, two, three, maybe top five a few weeks running back in the league. But some weeks he's going to be really down. Some weeks he's not going to have it. That's what it looks like coming off an ACL. So instead of taking Brees, in my opinion, instead of taking Brees in round three or four, where he'd normally be a round one or two guy if he never got hurt, but let's say he's going round three, four, five of your league, maybe five of the latest. Instead of taking Brees there, I would wait a couple rounds, and then in round six or seven, I take Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's going to be ready to go week one, and they're going to rely on him. They're going to use him in the passing game. If you're in a PPR, half PPR league, they're going to use him in the passing game. He's a good ball pass catcher out of the backfield. Where I think the big drop-off is, what I think these two running backs, Dalvin Cook, to me, affects the stock of a Michael Carter and an Izzy Abondaconda way more than he affects the stock of a Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall is, was going to be the same with or without um, Dalvin Cook. Just now you have a really good running back next to him so that Brees doesn't have to be forced to do so much. So I do think though, we're talking about 15 to 20 touches right out of the gate every game. And that'll continue till the end of the season with Dalvin cook last year. He was hurt a little bit. His production was somewhat down still a thousand yard rusher, still really effective in the red zone, still really effective in the passing game. So I don't expect his production to fall off a ton from last year. And to think that people have him as running back 30 
I'd say he's probably higher than that. And I'd say he's good value for where he's going to get drafted round six, seven, something like that. Um, now Aaron Rodgers. I have Rodgers as the 12th best quarterback. I have him a little bit behind Daniel Jones and those guys because he runs. I still have him ahead of Tua Tagovailoa because of Tua's injury history. So after the regular suspects, um, let me read them to you. Actually, I have the list in front of me. So you have Mahomes, you have Jalen Hurts, you have Josh Allen, you have Lamar Jackson, Justin, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, who I think is going to take a small step back, but nothing that will affect him majorly in fantasy. Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. I just can't believe Deshaun Watson's a terrible quarterback. So I have him here. Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott. And, oh, sorry. And Kirk Cousins, I still have ahead of him. So Rodgers is 12th, yes. After, or 13th. After Kirk Cousins, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a monster year. And I think Cousins is going to have to put up a ton of yards and a ton of numbers because their defense isn't really good. But that's the thing. The Jets defense is really good. They're going to keep them in a lot of games. We're going to talk about this when we talk about the season preview with my buddy Rob Taub. Later this week, we're going to talk about the Jets defense keeping them in games. It was a major part, major focal point of hard knocks. It was a major focal point, I thought, last week that we talked about on the episode last week regarding uh, the game against the Giants, which obviously we'll get into more because hard knocks was about that game. So <clears throat> in my opinion, and I, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to cough probably. <laughs> um, I wish I wasn't, uh, but like I said, I'm a little bit sick and hopefully you bear with me. Hopefully it's not too unbearable to listen to. I'm probably going to listen back to this and hate it, but as I was saying, I think Rodgers quarterback 12 he's going to put up numbers he's not going to run a lot he's not going to run for touchdowns so you're not going to get those rushing yards and when quarterbacks don't get those rushing yards you re- you rely a lot on passing touchdowns i don't think they're going to need to be a super high powered offense so i think rogers still though he doesn't throw interceptions so that's puts him ahead of a lot of guys a lot of guys throw picks rogers is not going to throw picks that's one thing he doesn't do um, he's not going to throw interceptions, probably average about 300 yards a game and he'll get three touchdowns a game. So he's going to be a really good quarterback this year. He'll probably get to 30 or 35 touchdowns in my opinion. And he'll get to a lot of yards, maybe 4,000, 4,500, something like that. I just don't think he's putting up 5,000. I know 4,500 is a lot. So I, I just don't think he's putting up 5,000 uh, yards and 50 touchdowns. That's just, and he's definitely not rushing for a thousand yards. So or even 500 or 200. So that's that's kind of the different the differentiator between him and the quarterbacks ahead of him. Now I mentioned the defense. If you're in a league that still has defense and kicker, I didn't rank kicker. I think they'll be scoring a lot. So I don't know. That's but I don't think they'll be scoring a ton though. I always just look at try and find the offenses that are going to score a ton. Because even if you're not getting touchdowns, you're in the red zone. Great. Um, and guys are going to get long field goals. Tucker, obviously. But for the defense, I like it. Take the Jets' defense. This Jets' defense is going to be lights out. I hope they can force turnovers. It looks like Xavier Gibson in the return game is going to be good. I bet he has a punt return or a kick return at some point for a touchdown this year. So you get an extra point there or two. Um, And I think this defense is going to be really good, get a ton of sacks. I hope they get fumbles and turnovers and interceptions and runbacks for touchdowns. I hope, I hope, I hope. But you know they're going to be good for a lot of sacks and a lot of low-scoring, low-production games from the other side. So at least they'll have that. They're probably one of the better defenses. They're not a great turnover defense like the Patriots, so those defenses are probably higher. But they're still going to be really good uh, to take in your fantasy. And one sleeper pick that maybe he's really late, maybe he's a waivers pickup, depending on how your waivers pick up. I do think Tyler Conklin's going to have a big year. I think Rodgers likes his tight ends in the middle of the field. Um, the Jets have three of them that are really good. Jeremy Rucker, obviously, and also CJ Uzama. There is a special connection, clearly, with Uzama and Rodgers. They spend a lot of time together. They talked about it on Hard Knocks, going to Broadway shows there at the U.S. Opening again together. I think Uzama is really a big gel guy for this team, but I don't think he's lived up to the contract as the number one tight end that they expected to get after his Super Bowl season in Cincinnati. Uh, but still... Um, I do think Tyler Conklin is a really good tight end on the field and is going to be doing a lot of really good things for this Jets team receiving. So I think he could end up being the go-to passing tight end in the passing game for Aaron Rodgers. So that's all we're going to talk about as far as fantasy. I told you about my sickness. Coming up, I'm going to break down the entire episode of Hard Knocks, episode four. We'll talk about it, takeaways. And there was also some breaking news, or I guess I should say rumors, which happens this time of year. There are always rumors this time of year when there's nothing to talk about. Uh, It's the week before, right? There's no games anymore. 
but it's not the regular season yet. So what do people talk about? They invent rumors to talk about. So we'll tell you how those rumors related to the Jets, those NFL rumors coming up right after this. Stay tuned. I did not check on my phone during that break. So priors. Number one. So this was the rumor mill that was going around. Mike Evans set a deadline for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to sign him. They said, if we don't get a contract, and I want an extension. If we don't get a contract done by this date, we're not discussing it during the season. That's pretty average, common practice in the NFL. And now Mike Evans, a standout wide receiver for the Bucs, said that. And now, if they're not going to be negotiating trade in season, and maybe he's going to walk in the offseason, you could always franchise tag him, of course. But if you're scared he's going to walk, then you might tra- consider trading him. And every single Jet fan and their mom on Twitter, on social media, on every outlet was like, oh my God, he's coming to the Jets. Mike Evans to the Jets. First of all, the Jets have all the cap space in the world. If they can fit in, they can make the trade work. I don't want Mike Evans if that means we have to be the team that then signs him to a huge contract. If we're going to franchise tag him after this year, sure, I'll take him. But I wouldn't necessarily give a 30-something-year-old bigger-bodied wide receiver a long-term deal. I mean, you see DeAndre Hopkins has been bouncing around a little bit the last couple of years. Julio Jones bounced around at the end of his career or not end of his career. He's still pretty young and that's just crazy. The receivers, they go quick also. People talk about running backs so much. Receivers go quick too. They do get bigger money while they're in their prime, but they do go quick also uh, once they're out of their prime. It goes downhill quickly. I wouldn't give another big money. You have a lot of money invested already in Lazard over the next few years. I wouldn't give big money, in my opinion, to Mike Evans. A big trade. So this got people talking on Jets trades and everyone's like, well, I wouldn't look at Evans, but I would really look at Devonta Adams because Devonta Adams might want out. And if that's a total crap show out in Vegas, well, he might get traded to a guy who he loves, Aaron Rodgers. They have room to take that big contract. They're taking him on for two years. Of course, I would love Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is still the best wide receiver in the league. I don't care. Justin Jefferson, I, give me anyone. Tell me any name you want. I'll take Devontae Adams over him, especially if he's playing with his buddy Aaron Rodgers. I take Devontae Adams. So if Devontae Adams is available, give him to me. I don't, I don't need Mike Evans. Trust me. I'm good, Mike Evans. I'll take Devontae Adams, pair him back with Rodgers. Perfect. The other name, the other name, sorry, that was super interesting that came up though was if they're talking about Evans, they might talk about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, maybe the last year of his deal, it's also out there in LA. That team is not going to be competitive. And if they're trying to trade off some pieces for the future, Aaron Donald could be moved at the deadline. This Jets defense is already stacked, they already get pressure. I talked about last episode, them getting pressure with three and four on the quarterback. Can you imagine if their two down linemen at the line of scrimmage are Donald and Quinnen Williams? Those are two of the top four or five defensive tackles in the NFL right now. And them just creating everything else. No one would be able to run on the Jets. And then the guys on the edge, because you'd have you need five guys to block those two guys. The guys on the edge would have a field day. If it's Jermaine Johnson, if it's Bryce Huff, if it's Will McDonald, if it's Carl Lawson, whoever's coming off the edge, John Franklin Myers is going to have a field day sacking the quarterback. If Aaron Donald and Quinton Williams are in the middle as defensive tackles for this team, that would be crazy. So those are just the rumors that go around this time of year. What goes around comes around. I guess that's what they say. Now to Hard Knocks, episode four. Um, I don't want to be so negative about Hard Knocks. It's a puff piece. I haven't enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed other Hard Knocks. I will say this. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm buying the hype. I love Aaron Rodgers. I love Rodgers here. I love the guy he's been on the show. I like Salah and what he's come off as and how he's looked. That doesn't change how I feel about how they've produced Hard Knocks and what they've shown us and what they've hid from us. Um, and they know they're hiding stuff from us. Like Bam Knight was a big part of this team last year. A guy who came out of nowhere and was really good for the Jets. 
and played a lot of games and played meaningful downs and meaningful minutes once Bryce Hall or Brees Hall gets hurt. And they talk about all the other undrafted rookies and different stuff like that trying to make the team, and they don't even talk about his story. Now, granted, it was probably done once Dalvin Cook shows up. He was going to be cut, but that that's a big story. How is he feeling before Dalvin Cook showed up? When they're having these meetings, I'm sure they're having conversations like, man, they're really going to go out and sign Dalvin Cook. I'm here. I'm good. We didn't see any of that. None of Bam Knight. They gave us a little Izzy Abandaconda. He was definitely going to make the team. So the Bam Knight story, not at all. And then he gets cut. He does actually get cut. He obviously gets picked up to another team. I think he got, might have even been Detroit because he's going to play somewhere because he's good. He's a good NFL running back. So he's never going to make it to the Jets practice squad. But part of that would probably be having to hold out Joe Douglas. There was a scene on Hard Knocks in 2010 where they're negotiating a contract with the backup quarterback. I forget who it was. And in the contract negotiations, he's like, I don't know if I could do that. They're like, well, He's like, what's the alternative? What if I don't say, what if I don't want this restructured contract? Like, well, then we'll just cut you. It was just so blunt. It was the way Mike Tannenbaum was talking to the player. I think it was Mike Tannenbaum at the time who was the general manager. And how about Morstead, right? Another thing. You're not showing the general manager at all. You can't show any of those stories, right? Another story was Thomas Morstead. He gets cut from the team. Everyone's like, huh. He writes R-E-L-A-X, quoting Rogers on Twitter, on Instagram. Don't worry, I'll be back. Don't worry about it. Everything is going to be fine. Obviously, they cut him so that they could get to the 53 one way. And it was some way to f- manipulate the cap, manipulate the 53, manipulate the active roster. Whatever they were doing, I'm interested in that. I'm curious what it was. Like We don't know what it was that they were doing that Joe Douglas cutting Thomas Morrison and then bringing him back a day later why did they do that? What was the reasoning behind it? I'm curious about that. Are you not curious about that? But we don't see any of that because we're not going to hear from Joe Douglas. We're not going to see Joe Douglas. It was funny. I made the joke that they don't need a punter. Ha ha. This team is so good that they're just never going to punt. And when they re-signed him, I was like, loser mentality. You expect to punt this year? Come on. You're already giving up before the season started? Sean Morash would say that. Good man, by the way. Good man, Sean Morash. Shout out. Um, and then Joe Douglas has his press conference, his, I guess, preseason press conference. The first time he talks since the Aaron Rodgers press conference, the first time he met with the media and he sits down and kind of has a smirk on his face and is kind of laughing. And he goes, can I fill in the blanks of whatever hard knocks didn't get to almost like he knows it's a story. He knows it's a big deal that he's not on hard knocks. And so he's like laughing, ha ha, can I fill in the blanks that you didn't get? Clearly you guys are, it's a big deal for you guys that you're missing me on hard knocks. What can I fill in that you guys aren't getting from hard knocks? I don't need to hear that from him. I just want him to be on it. I don't want him filtered and calculated because he said nothing in that press conference. He said the expectations are to win and he knows they're big, but we're not hiding from them. We're not running from them. We're going to take them head on and we're going to be great. He doesn't think about what, successful season means to him. He's not going to share that. Ever since Rogers got here, he's changed everything. There are four or five times a day that I sit in my room and see the tape and I'm like, wow, we really have that guy. Dalvin looks great. The defense looks great. Blah, blah, blah. He's not giving you anything. So I don't need him to say, what can I fill in? I want to see the unfiltered him on hard knocks. I don't want him to fill it in. And I think he did have a bad experience with Hard Knocks when he was with the Ravens. And maybe that's why he's so protective against it. But again, there's no real content here. And what's so interesting is they fooled you by saying, we can't show cuts. That's going to be a big thing this year. The Jets said, what are you going to hold back? The Jets are like, well, we thought cuts wasn't nice to show players getting cut, their dreams getting crushed. So we're not going to show that this year. What? You basically showed Jerome Cap getting cut. You showed the whole story with him. His parents, he doesn't get playing time. Shout out to him for making that big block there. He came every day. He was a good story. He was a feel-good story. Comes in every day, puts the work in. He was just happy to be there. He said, why would I stay at the hotel when I could be here every day? I'm living my dream. So I'm putting the work and I'm here 5.30 in the morning. I'm here till late at night. You love this story. You love the kid. The Eminem thing is cool for him, but he was never making the team. He was never going to make the team. So showing him get cut, you didn't show the Bam Night story. It was a nothing story. And you basically did it. You just didn't have the cameras in the office with them telling him, sorry, we're cutting you. 
but you showed him walk in on a day that no one's supposed to be in the building and then walk out with all stuff and loaded it into his car. So obviously he was cut and you showed it the entire thing other than the actual words of you're cut. So really, what are you leaving out? And to me, that was just an excuse to say, we don't want to show that. But really, they're, they're, we're not fooled. By you saying, we're not showing cuts, everyone's like, oh, that's right. The Jets are being respectful. No, they're just filtering everything. I, we're filling time with montages of breakfast, of fried peanut butter sandwiches, which is a genius idea. What you do is you take, and it really works with uh, Uncrustables. You take the Uncrustable, you put it in egg wash with cinnamon and, and sugar, right? Kind of like you're making a French toast and then you fry it on both sides and you make a French toast you cut it open, slice it open. It's a French toast, uncrustable. Mm, yum. But I digress. That's not important. That's puff. That's nothing. You did a really cool piece with Robert Sala driving into the city where you did you copied it from the Sopranos. Really cool. But again, it's puff. It's nothing. It's fake. So I don't know. It's a lot of filler in there, right? Like the Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson relationship. I like it. I like the relationship. It's cool. There's some funny stuff where him wearing the headband and him talking about Rogers talking about how he doesn't use AirPods. He uses the headphones. So funny. Rogers is so on brand. He was at the US Open and he wrote Novak's Djokovic, hashtag Novak's Djokovic. And he crossed out the Moderna logo that was on the advert, happened to be on the advertisement behind Djokovic. Rogers, like, if that bothers you, wherever you stand on the va- I'm personally vaccinated, but if that, like, again, if that bothers you, I think it's just funny. Like he's so on brand. He's so authentic. That's what Joe Douglas talked about. Hey, you know what I've learned from Rogers is how authentic he is. That's what I've really learned from him. I think it's funny that he's on brand. Like, cool. Yeah. At least he sticks to his guns. He knows what his things are and he's true to them. I love that. I love authenticity. Everyone knows I wear the t-shirt all the time, sweatshirt, whatever it is. Um, But you know, all that stuff is just fluff. What they did do in this episode, again, you have to create your storyline. I have no idea what they're going to show on Tuesday. No clue. Like, how do you create any storylines from this week? Like, how many times are we going to hear Peter Schrager? I love Peter Schrager, but he's been in Hard Knocks infinite amount of times more than Joe Douglas has been in Hard Knocks. Because Hard Knocks, there was that one scene that shows him, but you don't hear him. And that's it. Um, What they tried to do this episode is create a major in-town rivalry and we talked about it all we took the bait we talked about it all week on the fan is there a rivalry isn't there a rivalry um a lot of people giant fans are like oh yeah there's a rivalry you think you're something you guys have always been the little brother you always will be the little brother to me my whole life we knew we were the little brother right i had giant fan friends who were celebrating super bowl wins when the jets were awful And all we had was those two AFC championship games that were sandwiched by giant Super Bowls. So I know we're the little brother. I know this is the Victor Cruz game, but I never looked at the Giants as rivals. I never hated the Giants. They did our dirty work for us. They beat Brady twice. But this, they they tried to dig into it. And maybe because there's nothing else to talk about, but Rodgers clearly wants the smoke. Rodgers clearly wants there to be a rivalry. And I don't hate it as a Jet fan. He wants this to be the team in the city. He wants the Giants to feel like, wow, We're getting overlooked in our own city. We're the team that won a playoff game last year. We're the team with a young up-and-coming quarterback and young up-and-coming coach. You guys are nothing. You've proven nothing. you got a 40-year-old quarterback who didn't even make the playoffs last year. Of course, Giant fans should feel slighted by that. We have all the hype. Everyone's talking about the Jets. Peter Schrager's telling you to be more excited about the Jets than Giant fans. Why? We've proven everything. You've proven nothing. So if I'm a Giant fan, I get it. And Rodgers is leaning into it because he has that competitive, fiery spirit. And that was my favorite part of Hard Knocks. Not the Giants stuff. We'll get to the Giants stuff later. But early on in this episode, this has been my favorite scene, sequence of scenes, if you want to call it that, from Hard Knocks so far. Now, the scene that's been going viral has been Aaron Rodgers calls Garrett Wilson, to 17, coming to my office. He sits down and goes over some things with the wide receivers. He's sitting with each one of the First, you see him sitting with one wide receiver, then another. Then he's in a group. Then he's with them around the wide receivers coach. And they're going over things. Let's do it this way, that way. Discussing plays. In the middle of practice, then all of a sudden, boom, everything starts to click. He's throwing touchdowns left and right. But I want to take it back. Let's rewind. First, it starts with practice, really sloppy. Rodgers missing on throws, penalties. And you see him MFing everyone. And he's yelling at the team, guys, what do we do? He's yelling at the coaches. And he comes to the sideline. He's like, how many effing? And this I loved. How many effing drives? Three drop passes. One false start. 
three wrong routes in one drive. What are you kidding me? That's three drives in a row that we messed up on and on and berating them. And you saw it look sloppy. The footage looks sloppy. Now the footage could be edited where they show all the bad plays first and all the great plays later. Sure. But Rodgers is pissed. Don't let him fool you into thinking he's a changed man when it comes to getting mad on the field. He's the same dude. He's going to get pissed. And Rodgers is yelling into them. He's ripping into them. Players, offensive line, coaches. And then he gathers himself, thinks about it for a minute. You see him sitting there on a knee. And then he calls Garrett Wilson and says, okay, here's how we're going to fix it. I'm competitive. I'm angry. I'm fiery. Now let's figure out how to fix it. And he starts coaching. And they start working together. And let's do this this way. And they're discussing. And then they go back out there. And it's crisp. And one of the things they talk about is intent, right? Purpose, coming in and out of the huddle quickly. That's something I always talk about. They lack the last few years without that offensive leader. And Rodgers is that guy. He's the coach on the field. He's going to do that in games. It's going to happen where he's going to be pissed, where things are going to happen, where things aren't going to be going well. A defense figures out something and they're having a tough time. But instead of just wilting under it, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. And then the fans start booing and all that. We've seen it a thousand times with Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, everyone. He has the fire, but also the smarts and the will to put it all together and get it. All right, let's gather ourselves. Let's go back out there. Let's put this drive together and punch it in, score a touchdown, whatever they need to do. And that's awesome. That's the Aaron Rodgers difference. And then at the end of it, you see his smile, how he's like kind of like dancing, how happy he is that things were going well. Like that's perfect. That's that this arc that they created from the plays going bad, his anger, him fixing it, and then it going really well, and then him smiling afterwards. That's what you love to see. And that's the big emphasis, urgency, urgency, urgency. You see in all the meetings, you see in everything, urgency. And one guy who exemplified that was Tenzel Smart. This was another story that they went to, a guy who ended up getting cut, but he ends up back on the practice squad. What I loved about Tenzel Smart was his how competitive he is in the game. We just jump ahead to the game for a second, the Giants game, because we'll talk about that in a second. He gets hurt and then he's so angry and he's down there on the field. He's like, no, I can't get hurt. I have to go back in. I can't, I can't allow this opportunity to slip away from me. That was awesome to see. That's the type of guy you want on your football team, even if he's on the practice squad. That's the type of guy, the competitor, the fierceness, the urgency that we talked about that you want on your team. So I love that from him. Um, one of the really cool things I mentioned that Jason Brownlee made the team. Xavier Gibson also made the team. It's Gibson with a P, but <laughs> he's going to be a kick returner slash. Uh, wide receiver and what was so cool they're both undrafted rookies which i love i joe douglas shout out like i'd love to see that process where they found those kids i'm gonna keep harping on that but no joe douglas really bothers me it really irks me um but their competition with each other was so cool like they're going against each other you realize they're fighting for the same roster spot and they were competing with each other to make each other better it was similar but different right to Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. We saw that competition where they going at each other as a wide receiver and a, and a defensive back going back and forth at each other and making each other better. This was so different where it's the wide receiver and another wide receiver. They're working together. They're helping each other do the same thing and work on the playbook. And you saw this special connection they have when they're playing the ping pong. They have the push-ups, all that stuff. It's kind of an interesting thing. You saw Jerome Cap in the background like, looking at them like, man, if maybe if I had like a guy that I could lean on like that like we get some stuff together also but like again i don't know that's just speculation he was like looking on and watching them but their com- competition with each other the way they went at it with each other they met each other back i guess it was one of the bowl games in college or whatever some some event and they played together and they both played well in that game and they've had this competition they love each other they're rooting for each other and the fact that they both make the team even though they're both that's the great arc to that story also where they're both fighting against each other for the same roster spot and they're still trying to push the other person to make the other person better. And then they both get roster spots on this team. That's going to be super cool and it's something that can continue throughout the season that they can continue pushing each other. We could end up seeing one or two of them. Injuries happen, especially at the wide receiver position. I think Gibson will be effective right away because I do think he's going to be returning punts and kicks pretty much from the get-go. But him and Brownlee could both be big, big parts of this offense over the course of the season. That's going to be really fun to watch. Um, back to Rodgers for a second. 
I see why Rogers is obsessed with Hackett. There was such a funny scene where Hackett's doing his corny stuff and Rogers in the back of the room just dying laughing like it's the funniest thing. Whether it was the gold zone stuff, whether it was the fluby with the haircut machine, the self haircut thing. Um, it's just that like the, all that stuff is so funny. Like you see why he loves him and they have these inside things with the two of them. There's five work stuff or there's something going like there's all these names and these different sweatshirts and t-shirts they're wearing. Like one of them I saw was uh, it was Randall Cobb. I wrote it down <laughs> who you are, who we are. I don't know what that is. Obviously there's the, you know, all gas, no break, but you clearly see there's certain connections of these guys being together, working together in unit and work together, celebrating with your guys. They talked about that all working together, all celebrating together. There's something about this team. That's such a united thing. And that's so cool. It starts with Hackett and Rogers. Those two working together is going to be uh, really cool. And everyone buys in. Um, then we get to the game. So, Rodgers makes fun of Cobb in the huddle for the penalty. No Giants player hears that. And it's not like they were laughing at the guy who had a concussion. They were laughing at Cobb for losing all his money. And then Jihad Ward turns that into, that's why I was going at Aaron Rodgers. Like two days later, he's like, let me think on it. Let me watch the Hard Knocks episode. Oh, that's why I was going at Rodgers. Dude, you didn't know that that happens in real time. That's just made up in your head. But instead, he shoves Rodgers. Five steps after the play. And then Rodgers goes, why are you doing that? What's your point? You don't, I don't even know who you are. And I kind of believe Rodgers. Rodgers probably genuinely, genuinely doesn't know who he is. And Jihad Ward, the worst thing you could do if you ever get into an argument, trash talking someone, is repeat what they said to you right back to them. No, you don't know who I am. No, I don't know who you are, I guess, is what he said. Rodgers like, really? You know who I am. Trust me. I don't know your name. I don't know who you are. You're a nobody. Then Rodgers gets on the sideline and Rodgers is so proud of his trash talk. This is also something I talk about. You see Rodgers is so competitive. He's so proud of his pass, uh, of his trash talk. He's like, I told him an uncomebackable line or uncomebackwithable is what he said, line that he doesn't know who, that I don't know who you are. And then he said the same thing back to me, which obviously isn't true. It was funny, like seeing him having fun on the sideline. Now, in game, the touchdown, I loved. I talked about the plays already, but the touchdown, one more thing that I got to see from the touchdown was um, Rodgers, it was a run play. And this was broken down everywhere, every film study, all the different things that people do. Everyone, Baldinger. It was a run play called. It was a run play to the right side. And everyone's still running the run play, which means he had some sort of hand motion that only him and Garrett knew that, hey, Run a fade here. I'm going to throw it to you. Where he audibled, but he didn't audible to the whole team. It wasn't a big motion. They still, everyone sold the run so well because everyone, the running back thinks, I'm about to get this ball. The offensive linemen are pushing to the right. Everyone's going to the right. And Wilson takes one or two steps, jab steps to the right, and then dashes to the left corner, front left corner of the end zone. And that's where the ball is waiting for him. That's the type of thing you saw between Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That's what gets you excited as a Jets fan. That there could be this special unspoken language between just the two of them that no one, even their own teammates don't know. And it's just the two of them. They're on the same page. And when you need a big play like that, first and 10 at the goal line or at the 15-yard line, he throws that fade. Just the two of them need to know. That's all we need. Ball is perfect. And Rodgers is like, hey, where was that ball? Kind of asking him, like, I know that ball was perfect. Where was it for you? How was it? It was perfect. Rodgers knew it. They get the touchdown. And then Rodgers, also such a cool thing. You hear Rodgers say to him, first of many, as they're walking off the field, which is so cool. Rodgers to Wilson, first of many. That's that's awesome. Um, there's also the stuff with Sauce and Hyatt. Hyatt talking trash also afterwards, after the game. The Giants talk so much trash. It's like they heard their fans on WFAN, heard their fans around the city going, oh, we're not getting enough. So Rodgers digging in and going deeper. Like I said, this was never a rivalry, but now it kind of is. Now week eight is getting more interesting. The Jets against the Broncos wasn't a rivalry either, but now that's going to be more interesting. The Jets are putting even more of a target on their back than they ever had, and it seems like they like it. Now, 
I think Jet Life Stadium is kind of corny. I've heard it been called that by Jets. I'd rather the Jets get their own stadium. It is Giant Stadium, I'll admit it. But Rogers, he's leading into it, walking out, going Jet Life Stadium. Ha ha. Something super cool that I saw also, um, because that's that's really all I'm gonna say. I, I'm sorry that the Giants player who got hit was her. I, you never want to see that. I forget his name. But I don't think there's like as big of a deal when it comes to this rivalry as everyone's making it out to be. It's not a rivalry. It just hasn't been. And I don't think it will be moving forward. What was cool was Robert Sala's speech after the game, the way they portrayed it both on Hard Knocks and on One Just Drive. You got different angles of both. They had more of the uncut, longer version on One Just Drive where he's like, guys, go over to someone, hug someone. I hate this week. We're going to have to cut people. But we created something special here. Everyone here, if you're here today, you are a part of it. It's not just the people who are going to be moving forward. And then, so you saw that part of it more on One Jets Drive. And then on Hard Knocks, you saw more of the actual players going over, saying goodbye to Aaron Rodgers, saying thank you, nice to meet you, all that different stuff. Um, you saw how much in just a few weeks they created something really special. And, it, and I know you can say that about any football team. You have a bunch of guys who are working so hard together to create, to win in a competitive environment like that, the end of six weeks or whatever training camp is, there's going to be a special bond. But it definitely seems like there's a connection with this team and Robert Sala has a certain command over them. Um, and then, you know, the Broadway shows they're going to together, the US Open, all that stuff. It's it's fun. It's just fun stuff. I'm excited though. All the hype is going away. This week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to preview the Buffalo game ahead of Monday night, obviously, a week from today. Buffalo against the Jets at MetLife Stadium. Fired up Monday night football Tamar Hamlin's first game back, which is going to be a special moment. You know it. Joe and Troy on the call. A 9-11 memorial, I'm sure. Aaron Rodgers' first game. The Jets were really good against Buffalo last year. They beat them once with Zach Wilson. They almost beat them a second time with an injured Mike White. We'll also do the week-by-week schedule preview, like I talked about with Rob's house. So those are the two episodes this week. We'll also do a position rank. I don't know if we'll be extra episodes for this, but a position rank and an AFC East previews. That might be one episode. So we might do three episodes ahead of the game. On Monday, we'll have three episodes before then. Like I said, a game preview, a week-by-week schedule preview, and then the position rank in AFC East. It might be two episodes and we split it up, or it's going to be three episodes, one or the other. We'll see how it goes this week. And then if you're interested in more NFL stuff, we're going to do broader NFL stuff, including Yankees, Yankee season, not NFL, but Yankees. Talk about the Yankees on the Romula V podcast if you're a Yankee fan. And then we'll also do um, picks for the game, picks for this uh, this week. On Friday, we'll pick all the Sunday games. Ahead of Thursday night football, we'll pick Thursday night football. Um, I'll also pick the Jet game. Don't worry. When we do the game preview, we'll pick the game. Um, but we'll pick all the Sun, And then we'll also recap all the broad NFL stuff and we'll do a season preview all the divisions who's going to win the divisions who's going to win awards stuff like that all that's going to be happening on the Romula V podcast so tons of content this week between here between the Romula V podcast so stay tuned it's about 3 a.m now hopefully my phone works I'm praying that it does and while I edit this I'm going to need a snack so Rex tell me what to do let's go to eat a damn snack thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.